0: Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station, a place to sit back and relax while waiting for your train to board. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. The goal here at the depot is to help you strengthen your own practice of leadership, no matter where you serve. Every episode will give you not only the background theory, but some practical tools that you can use right away. Great Ridge Station is a service of Great Ridge Group, LLC. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. With apologies to those who suffer from Triskaidekaphobia, Season 1, Episode 13. We're in a series on the questions we need to answer in order to lead ourselves well. This is Part 5 of that series. Now I know I keep hammering in this idea. Keep bringing together theory and practice. I hope you'll take these ideas And use them. As I said last week, my ethos as an educator is that if you haven't been able to use it, you haven't really learned it. Now, when I first started this bit on self leadership, I really expected to do five episodes and then move back to my regular episode list. But things have not worked out that way. This batch of episodes have struck a chord, and I've had a few listeners let me know that this is helpful. So admittedly, these are listeners that I see from time to time, so that may not be a valid scientific sample. But either way, I hope you're finding all of this beneficial. In the interest of giving credit where credit is due, the article that inspired this material is Peter Drucker's piece for Harvard Business Review called Managing Oneself." Self. I've gone far beyond Drucker's original scope, but when I think about self-leadership, his ideas just seem to follow me around So, with all of that in mind, let's dig into two more pieces that you need to understand in order to manage yourself well. This time around, these are not questions per se, but simply things that you need to know about yourself. You may have been waiting for this one. Know your strengths, know your weaknesses. These days, there's a lot of emphasis on knowing strength. The Strength Finder and Strength-Based Leadership Assessments have made this process a whole lot easier than it used to be. As recently as 20 years ago, most discussions about personal strengths were based on self-awareness rather than on objective measures. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. There is nothing wrong with self-awareness. In fact, I recommend it highly. It's just that our self-assessments are often skewed by our internal biases. Assessment tools can be helpful in getting us out of our own way and outside of our own preconceptions. That's one of the most helpful things you can do for yourself. Get to know your own strengths. Now, the institution where I serve and teach, Bethel University, has put significant effort into becoming a strengths-based organization. And that's been a good thing for us because it encourages people to develop in the direction of their strengths, and in my opinion, it's made us a stronger organization. I have to admit, I've always had a bit of a bias against work protocols that require people to put their assessment results by their work area. The first place I encountered this was during a consulting project, and I was working in the R&D area of a pretty large company. Everybody had to have their Myers-Briggs temperament indicator posted by their doors, And the unfortunate thing about that, as this team implemented it, was that it turned into an excuse for bias. If memory serves, there was one ISTJ in the group, and they kind of got picked on because they didn't have the usual profile for that department. Now here's a leadership truth for you. If you're going to post people's assessment results, be sure you know why you're doing it, and be sure that it doesn't turn into some dysfunctional mutation. That's where this department failed. They used the MBTI to differentiate and create in-groups and out-groups, whether they knew that or not. What they could have done and did not do was to use those differences to draw out the best in people. See, I think it's really easy for us to use personality assessments to create in-group and out-group dynamics. And mostly, I'm opposed to that kind of handy assessment on principle. I've seen them used badly so often. Thankfully, a lot has changed since the early days when assessments were informal and misused. Personality profiles have become more sophisticated and tend to be used in more productive ways. As I said, I teach at an institution that focuses on being a strengths-based organization. And despite my initial misgivings, yes, my strengths are posted at my office door. As you might have guessed, my top two strengths are jumping to conclusions and cracking wise. No, not really. You know, it's gratifying to work in an organization that knows how to develop people and tries, really tries, to help us to develop our strengths more thoroughly. Where your profile is a sense of encouragement and not disappointment, and where everyone's uniqueness is respected. Of course, as they used to say in the old uh, car ads, actual mileage may vary. That disclaimer applies here, too. I'm, uh, I'm in one part of the institution, so I can't say for certain that my experiences are the same as everyone else's across the whole place. But this provides another leadership truth. The implementation of any process is only as good as the relationship between those being led and those being followed. Assessments like StrengthFinder, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and the Strong Campbell Interest Assessment can be very helpful in figuring out what you do best, and where you should put your developmental efforts. I have to add this, though. An assessment may be able to know your brain and your general preferences, but it won't ever know you. This is where the trustees that I mentioned a couple of episodes ago can be a big help. I'll explain that in more detail in a couple of minutes, but this is a good point to move on to the next point. Know your weaknesses. Over the years, I've had a couple of friends who worked for the Gallup organization, the folks behind the Strength Finder, and I tried to convince them that this is a good idea, but to no avail. So, okay, Gallup gang, here it is. I'll be awaiting these huge royalty checks that you'll be sending my way. See, I've thought for years that what we need is a stink finder. It's the flip side of a strength finder. These are the things that you should not do under any circumstances. This would simply be your bottom five strengths. The things that are so far down the line that they really are your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities. Let me give you a couple of examples. You don't want a big picture creative being the quality control auditor. You don't want an engineering genius in charge of HR. And you don't want me running your accounting department. Admittedly, those are generalizations, but the strengths that beautifully support you in one role might spell absolute disaster for you in the wrong role. And nobody's really talking about that these days, hence the need for a stink finder assessment. Now, years ago, I had a mentor who'd been watching me work for some time. Uh, This guy was more of a friend than a boss, and he was one of the few people who took me aside to say, well, yeah, that didn't really work very well. Probably something you don't want to be involved in going forward. Now, for those of you keeping score at home, that's something that only a trustee can provide. They know you well enough to help you refine your strengths, and if you aren't sure about your weaknesses, just ask them. They've probably seen you at your worst. They know they have found your stink for you. And in general, that's the best way to find your weaknesses. Mess up. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Think about the job performance reviews that you've been in over the years, either yours or the people you're leading. How often do those reviews focus on, here are all the things you need to work on. Let's figure out a way to strengthen your weaknesses rarely do we hear things like, let's focus on making you outstanding in some of these areas where you have the potential to really shine. That is, unless you happen to work for an organization that is intentionally strengths-based. Truth be told, you need some help with this. You may have an assessment that will let you know your top strengths, but how do they translate into your real life? I hate to do this. I really hate to do this. This is a free plug for the Gallup organization and for certified StrengthFinder coaches. If you've taken one of those assessments, hire somebody who is certified to walk you through those results. Talk to your human resources department. Call the local, state-run employment office. Find and hire a professional coach. See, it's not enough to know your results. You also need to know how to apply those strengths. Remember though, you cannot apply your strengths apart from the other ideas I've been presenting in this Managing Yourself series. A certified coach will be able to help you make sense of it. You're also going to have to be aware of your own stink finder results. There's no assessment yet, but you need to know where you don't want to serve. A few years back, I had an opportunity drop into my lap to start a business doing billing and payroll for a team of independent practitioners. They needed someone to manage that part of their business, and they were prepared to put up the money necessary for me to launch this new venture. Um, There were enough clients to keep me busy and paid and plenty of room to grow. Of course, I prayed about the opportunity and ultimately made the decision to say no. It was not an easy thing to do, but it was because of my mentor's advice. His wisdom kept me out of trouble, and kept me from getting in over my head. And I know that he was right, that there was no shame in saying no. But that was a time when the income would have been really welcome in our household, and it was a painful decision, but it was the right decision. So until there's a real stink finder assessment, you'll have to settle for the good advice of the people who know you best, and for crying out loud, quit dwelling on your weaknesses and start working on your strengths. Now let me add this piece before you get out of here. Don't let your strengths or your weaknesses become an excuse for saying no to God's calling in your life. Just because you ain't done it yet does not mean that you can't be good at it. As a leader in a church that I love dearly, nothing is so frustrating as having someone respond to a service opportunity with something like, that's not my gift, or I don't think I'd be good at that. The best way to find out if something new might be a good fit for you is to join the team that's doing it and give it a try. And another thing, don't use your strengths or your weaknesses to stay where you are and not try anything new. Strengths are made to be pushed new strengths show up when you need them. There was a book written for teenagers a few years back, and if memory serves, it was by Alex Harris. And I think the title of the book was Do Hard Things. That's a good title because it strikes at the core of our tendency to keep things comfortable and uncomplicated. Push your personal limitations and see what happens. One of the things I love about teaching adults is in watching their delight in learning and the sudden recognition that I was right. (laughs) Yeah, I like to point out that adults are capable of way more than they give themselves credit for, and that shows up. We've so domesticated ourselves and taught ourselves to behave that we have no idea what we could do if we'd get uncomfortable and do hard things. Now, I'm not talking evil or criminal acts, by the way. That shouldn't even, I shouldn't even have to bring that up or point it out. I'm simply referring to things that are outside of your normal pattern of life and involve doing, creating, or making something new. True confession, the work I'm doing now, teaching adults in the graduate programs at Bethel University, was a huge stretch for me. I'll tell the story sometime. But I will start with this. When the opportunity came up, I nearly turned it down. See, I'm an introvert, and I thought it would be complete misery to me. And my wife is the one who pushed me to try it, and I'm thankful that she did. Because for me, the work that I get to do today is something that was unfathomable for me. Stepping across that line and saying, I'll try it, was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. And now, I'm grateful beyond words. So there it is, the plus side of knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and the downside of letting them control you and keep you inside your comfortable little cocoon. This week, do something that stretches you in the direction of your strengths. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. As the train boards and rolls on to its next destination, we hope you found your time here helpful. Consider what you've learned and what strategies and practices you can implement right now. If you have leadership questions that you'd like us to address, we'd love to hear from you and you can find the questions link on our show page. We can't answer everything, but we'll watch for themes and big picture questions and get to as many as we can. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.